look at that. Episode 391 of A to the Show. We've been doing 391 of these, and now we're truly international. He hasn't come out slim. Uh, we have a guy in Saudi. We have a guy in Los Angeles and a guy in the UK. Look at that. Truly international podcast. And Hamid um, Islam, what can I say? Uh, the number one podcaster in Saudi Arabia, the number one podcaster in the MENA region, in my opinion. Uh, how cool is that? You've interviewed many, many cool people. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> You've shown a spotlight on a lot of cool people. And, um, you know, here's why. Because uh, you have the impression of the Middle East. You have the impression of Saudi Arabia. And what your podcast is able to do is to actually show the light of the truth of what is going on in Saudi Arabia. And, um, you know, for yourself, you know, you worked in marketing for a long time and then, and then you saw like, there was like a, a vacuum and that, oh, um, you know, with the whole like Saudi Arabia is changing in a certain way. And there's a lot of culture coming in, a lot of cool people coming up. How's, what's a good way to spotlight these people? And you took the initiative to put yourself out there in Saudi Arabia and, interview all these people and create a cool podcast. So, um, Hamid Islam, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, let's get right into it. Um, and on your promo, you said Saudi has changed in the past two, three years more than it's changed in the past 20 or so years. So, and, um, you know, you'd be surprised if you listen to the Mo Show podcast that, um, you know, Saudi Arabia is not just, you know, there are a lot of people that speak English pretty great, actually, which is something that surprised me. Um, so do you want to tell us about how Saudi Arabia has changed in the past, uh, um, while? Yeah, totally. First of all, congratulations on, on the 391 episodes. You know, you <laughs> say that you're, you're a product of COVID, which is, uh, you know, two or three years, uh, from, you know, away and to put 391 episodes out since then is, is incredible. I know that because I started after COVID and I'm only at 53. So coming from someone who is, you know, kind of in the same boat as you, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment. Um, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I have mentioned it a few times in, in, in the show that Saudi Arabia has changed significantly, exponentially in the last three to five years. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, I don't want it to be biased coming from a Saudi, but, you know, if you, if you go back and listen to some of the foreigners that live here, I think it was Jake in episode 17. He was like, I've been here since 2004. He's from, he's from, uh, from Long Beach, California. And he's like, I've been here since 2004 and I haven't seen the country change since then as much as I have in the last two or three years uh, with, with the female empowerment initiatives, with, with ladies being able to drive, with ladies uh, able to, to travel uh, around the country, to open companies in their names. Uh, to travel outside of the country. These are all things that back before 2015, they needed to get their legal guardian or husband or father to sign off on them to do that. Now, female rights is, is up there with, 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 the, with male rights, which, uh, which is amazing to see. Uh, there's more equality. Um, the, uh, well, the, the, the events that we're seeing here, I mean, right now we've got Formula One that just wrapped up two weeks ago. We have wow. Dakar. Which is which is something that's uh, you know synonymous with, with South America and um, and Africa for the past two decades, and now they're in their third year here in Saudi Arabia. They basically do a loop of the country, covering about fourteen thousand kilometers. Uh, Formula E is up and running. It looks like we've got a, a, a an A lister of a concert performing every other weekend uh, when it's not Ramadan. So all these things together, and I'm I'm forgetting so many things. But you know you look at the um, the entertainment sector and 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 what that brought to our country, and and how it created an industry, lifted uh, you know socioeconomic impacts have been have 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 changed for the better. And we're talking four years into the Vision Twenty Thirty drive, two of which were due to two 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 of the four or five years since the announcement of uh, Vision Twenty Thirty things halted due to Corona. So we're literally just three years into our quest to execute Vision 2030. And there's a general serious belief that we are gonna outdo our neighbors. I mean, we've seen what Dubai and Abu Dhabi and Qatar have done, but they've been working on it since the nineties. <laughs> we launched Vision 2030 in, in, in 2016, I think it was. 
and and already it you know it's not easy to please stop me if I blabber too much. No, it's listening. not easy to change. It's it's not easy to change a culture or a mindset. You look at Singapore in the 70s and 80s, the Singaporeans would shower in the streets. Fresh water was a scarcity. You look at Singapore today; it looks like Lower Manhattan. All right, in one generation, it shifted. That tells us that it's not impossible. And here we are three or four years since the announcement of the vision with the job opportunities that have popped up with, uh, with, 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 with people who the expat, the, the, the number of expats in Saudi has increased over the last couple of years as well. Skilled labor, people are seeing that, wow, Saudi is actually a place that I can live in now. We had uh, various projects around the kingdom. Uh, Neom, one of them, that was you know, a high profile project that was announced recently. Um, where they're building a line. Uh, I think it's about a hundred mile city, but it's in a straight line. And um, that's pretty cool because you're reinventing the ways that cities function and operate. Um, we have a project outside of Riyadh called Gidea, which is like the size of 10 Disney worlds. That's currently you know, being, being developed. We're used to hearing about projects and seeing pictures of them, but never really seeing it happen. Now, between Gidea, Neom, Red Sea Project, we're actually seeing the progress of these projects happen from like real footage. Um, it's just amazing to see. It's That's refreshing amazing. to have, yeah, you know, to have, to, 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 to hear of projects that are announced and, um, and actually followed through on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all 23 million Saudis are believers today. I can really comfortably say that. Wow. Yeah, seeing the results like obviously manifest into something that you can something tangible definitely is a different it change it helps maybe promote this uh, cultural change that you were talking about and this but what i want to know is like what prompted this rapid you know evolution of of your lifestyles and like this rapid evolution of the whole concept of what saudi is you know because like we when we were younger, we would always hear about how Saudi Saudi is just like conservative mainly, and like they weren't really into that massive entertainment sector. Right, doesn't but have movie theater. <laughs> yeah, like right. even Back in the day. they didn't have movie theaters. Uh, <laughs> restaurants are segregated from families and men, and or like all of those stories. So what what's prompting this new new rapid change? So in 1979, Saudi changed. Okay. There was an incident uh, that prompted Saudi to change. Since then, that was our norm. Uh, what, okay? Do you mind telling us what the incident was? Yes, there was a, a hostage situation in, uh, in, in the Grand Mosque okay. in 1979. And um, that prompted the country to take a new stance on uh, how, the, how it operates. And, and since then, it was, you know, very little entertainment, um, no theaters, uh, very little rights for females. So all through my growing up years, since 83, when I was born, until 2015 or 16, that was the Saudi I grew up in. You know, we, we, uh, that was our norm. And we never really questioned it. But then came a leader in his early 30s, and took note of the fact that 70% of Saudis are under the age of 21. And you look at that figure with a very wide base as a population pyramid, and you recognize that those are your future. So he just felt that change needed to happen. You know, why do we have to travel for entertainment? Why do we have to get on a plane and go to the UAE so we can be entertained, even if it's something as simple as a cinema? It was a real head scratcher. So he went where no one has before in the last 40 years. And today, four or five years into, and then, and then Vision 2030 was born. And today, I think there are over 100 cinemas, for example, if you just use the cinema as the, as the analogy or the example, a hundred cinemas operating in Saudi. Wow. The, the job creation that came along with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The level of happiness. I go with my wife once a month 
And we really look forward to that. And I speak on behalf of many people just to have that option. All right. And just, I swear to God, just a month ago, I was like, why weren't we allowed this again? I mean, what, <laughs> wait, one second. Whoa, whoa. Why, 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 why couldn't we have this? Like, what was so difficult? What was so taboo about this? And, and that's just, you know, one of the many things that just changed for the better. You know, like this, the quality of life overnight uh, has changed for the better. And don't take my word for it. Speak to speak to any people that have come through here over the past couple of years. For example, for foreigners, my God, I mean, I went to school in England and the US, okay, as we spoke about earlier. And a few times I'd invite some of my friends back because, you know, they'd always want to find out, you know, what, what's my country like? And just for them to go through the visa application to the point where they're like, you know, just screw it. It's just too difficult. You know, is it, does this Saudi Arabia actually exist because it's just impossible to get a visa to it? And now... 70 or 80 countries can get a visa in about three or four minutes online. It's become one of the easier countries to get a visa to. Again, you know, like that head scratching moment, you know, like, well, why couldn't we have cinemas? Same thing with the, well, why was it so difficult for tourists? To, like, why, why was it so unallowed for tourists to come see our beautiful country? We are the size of Western Europe. There's so many different regions from mountainous to sand, to different rock formations that look like the Grand Canyon, to parts in the south that look like the Swiss Alps without the snow, like just green mountains, to Al-Ula, Al which is an area that is probably the most famous part uh, of Saudi as far as tourism is concerned. And we never had a chance to share it with the world. We didn't even know much about it. Us Saudis, we didn't even know much about it. And now we do. Like certain, like many, many areas in Saudi are being untapped and and they were just never discovered. And now we have a chance to share that with the world. Um, how le legendary, I would say, you know, I love the idea of Vision 2030 and I love the idea of, you know, just the vision to bring in more art, bring in more culture, because um, that's what we live for, you know? And um, how cool is it? Um, you know, it's like here we have <laughs> a million movie theaters in LA. I'm in the entertainment hub, right? Comedy shows and movie theaters. And podcasters left and right and etc but <laughs> but in you know in Saudi Arabia you're you know as far as I know you're the only one doing it on a high level interviewing all these people and it makes total sense right because with all this change that happened um there are a lot of artists and um you know cool different kinds of people that want to speak and uh and podcasting is new and the internet's new and it's so cool and, you know, you're involved with marketing. So, I mean, I'm sure it was just like, you know, you know, there's this huge vacuum. There isn't a podcast like this for Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia's now it's, there's a vision. And I just, you, all, you know, someone just has to make a podcast, you know, meeting all these people and going along the way. And, um, and so I'm just curious, like when you had that idea, how did you have that idea? And why did you decide to do it yourself as opposed to telling someone else to do it? <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. It wasn't something that I really planned to do. But when I got off the hamster wheel and was at home for three weeks during COVID because we couldn't leave the house, it just made me, I just felt that I could do a little bit more in my life. Like I felt like I was a little bit more than what my desk job um, justifies me as. I felt like I could do a little bit more. I feel so replaceable in that day job. You know, if I was to drop dead today, that, that, that position would be filled before sunset. So I felt that I could do a little bit more. I studied 20 years outside of Saudi and my English is at a level that, um, you know, I could really use to show the real Saudi. I could send a message in English to the world about what Saudi is really like. And I felt that mass media or these big media conglomerates never really showed us in the fair light for whatever reason. You know, they have agendas that they got to push and it's hilarious. And uh, I think we're fortunate today to be in a position where we can get our news source from people who will tell it real. I just changed the tagline of my show from a podcast in English from Saudi Arabia to get to know the real Saudi Arabia. And I say the real because what we've been hearing from the news channels for all these decades was, was not good news and, and information that wasn't commensurate with what on earth is happening here on the ground. There's always like a target on our back. I don't know what it is, but there's Saudis always 
been made to be this, this bad guy. Like a lot, a lot of Americans come here uh, as trainers, like they work in, in the gym sector and, and they're always on edge, like, you know, in the days leading up to when they do come. And then when they do come here, the first couple of days are like, how, how is it so safe and people are so nice? Oh my God, back in the States, my family are worried sick about me. So just hearing these things and, 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 and being blessed with being outspoken and, and, uh, and, and having the ability to speak fluent English, including you know, the internet and decentralized media that is podcast, it was the perfect storm for me to you know, bet on myself. And I've failed in many things in my life. And I, you know, I felt like if I fail at this, at least I failed trying to do something for my country. You know, the famous Kennedy quote comes to mind. Uh, so I, I went for it. And 54 episodes later, I feel like, wow, this could, you know, really be, a, a, you know, a new career defining moment for me in doing what I believe, which is uh, showing my country in the light that it deserves to be shown in nothing more or less, not said by me, said by the people that are here. Wow. <laughs> I think, yeah, based, so you were saying how people like maybe are afraid of uh, coming to Saudi Arabia. Um, well, every country obviously has its own its uh, contra- controversy and like with their decisions that they undertake. Um, but yeah, maybe in certain situations, Saudi definitely has has changed in a in a sense that it's more it's more easier to be to live there. It's more easier to not have this fear when you're like ha- spending your daily life there. And uh, I feel like obviously it's this new this new evolution that we were talking about previously is opening up the like a new a new wave for people to come in and just like accept this new culture that's uh it's it's it seems a bit of a more western culture i i would say so actually i want to get your opinion on that it's like how, how do you feel about saudi becoming a bit more western compared to its old traditional roots yeah, that's, that's something I've definitely uh, been seeing a lot of. But you need to understand, people that, that look like me, talk like me, and think of me are, are probably 1% or 2%. Yeah. Right? Um, but, but still, having said that, the amount of burger places, burger restaurants that I see popping up every block, and I mean, <laughs> and I mean every block, like, we would make, we, we, our food is more American- than uh, than Venice Beach, all right. So <laughs> yeah, we yeah we are we are big on our American food. We are big mm-hmm. on our uh, American consumption. Be it you know from the entertainment sector, uh, from the, the 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 clothing and apparel. Uh, you yeah. know more people on the streets today, I think, or in malls, are wearing t-shirt and shorts than our national attire. Not more, but the rate is increasing. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, you know, I, I look. There are there are events that require you to wear the national dress, um, and there are circumstances where you can wear whatever you want. So when 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 occasions or events require you to wear the national dress, you're going to wear it, and no one's going to be wearing a t-shirt and shorts. So you know, they're they're horses for courses. I believe in in comfort first, and um, if, uh, if if people would prefer. You know, to adopt the American way, it is uh, it is very influential. I mean, it covers the globe, doesn't it? Um, so so be it. I mean, yeah, times times are changing for sure. Okay, so you would say you're more of a person that that uh, adapts uh, to change instead of rejecting. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I think change is important because that's how we evolve. You know, if we if we aren't susceptible to change, we're going to be stuck, and if we're stuck. We're going backwards. So, um, so I'm okay with that. But what I'm more okay with is, is freedom and freedom to do what you want, eat what you want, wear what you want, uh, consume what you, you know, it's, it's, it's your life. As long as you're not harming me, um, I'm, I'm, I'm with freedom. And you that wanted to, like, just to touch on freedom again. It makes me so happy to see my sisters get in the car when they want, go to a movie theater when they want, you know, go to a restaurant that is no longer 
segregated females and males. It's just become normal. It wasn't normal seven years ago, six years ago. It wasn't normal. Yeah. Like if you came then, you, you, you'd, uh, you, you'd probably, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't enjoy it. You'd be like, uh, yeah, um, probably time to fly back home. But now you come here, you'd probably call the airline to extend your flight. Yeah, you'd probably want to stay a little bit longer. Yeah, I was actually, the, yeah. I went to Riyadh in like 2012. And then again, in like 2018. So I saw that the, the change. Oh, yeah, that's difference. a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, a before like after. 2012, you know, I go there. I'm just like, okay, I'm just stuck here. Like, I'm not even yeah. getting out of the compound. Yeah. Um, then Riyadh is crazy though. Riyadh, exactly. Riyadh is, that's, that's the epicenter for the action. You know, Jeddah, we're, we're on, you know, it's two biggest cities are Riyadh in the middle and then Jeddah on the Red Sea. Jeddah is more, you know, laid back, more like a, a hippie town. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, we do get a bit of, a bit of the action of, uh, you know, of, of what's happening and, you know, by the, of what the Ministry of Entertainment are doing or uh, Ministry of Culture, but the epicenter of the action Israel, do you want to talk about a culture shift? Riyadh is really where things just went 180 degrees for, yeah, the, definitely. for the better. And I speak to my buddies in Riyadh, and, you know, like in 2012 and, and even earlier, they're like, there was nothing to do. There was nothing to do. And now, like all we had in terms of entertainment was soccer. So if like Saudi's playing, like that's, that's everything. Now, if Saudi's playing, there's like 25 other things to do while a Saudi game is being played. Like, I don't even think they fill up the stadiums because there's so much more to do. So yeah. um, it's, it's really been uh, just a refreshing change uh, that, that, that we, that I have witnessed and my generation have witnessed uh, right before our eyes because we lived both sides of the, of the dichotomy, which is, which is amazing, which is amazing to see. Um, yeah, truly, I mean, how cool because it's like, Again, like, you know, art and culture is so essential. And like you doing your podcast and, it, you know, um, reaching all the people it's reaching. Um, I really hope for your continued success and growth because, you know, it starts with, you know, or it starts with other people and you go through it and you grow and then people get inspired by you and then people make more podcasts. And I'm really hoping for the whole, you know, we're from Lebanon. <laughs> we always, mm. we've always had arts and culture, but we don't have the vision that you're talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, I really hope that, you know, the whole region gets um, a light that it hasn't had in the past few years, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, I want to know, like. You, you're sorry. I was going to say, you know what? We're pretty fortunate because Saudi, um, they have the, re we, we have the resources. Um, but maybe not so much the vision that we never, we, we never had something called vision 2000 or vision 2020. The first vision we had that I saw in my lifetime speak on, on my behalf was vision 2030. So what's scarier in a positive way than to have the resources and the vision. It's like having the all-star players <laughs> with an all-star coach. That's championship. Not, not, not to be, not to be all corny, but, but <laughs> we, 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 have, we have both, um, and um, and we're super fortunate. We really are, um, and just you know, we're really bullish about uh, about the future. You know, starting the podcast like the first 10, 20 episodes, like I want to change what people think about Saudi. I want to change. I want to change, and I'm happy to say that I got to a point where it's no longer something I think about. It's mm -hmm. it's more like how about you share your story with me? You know, what have, what have you been up to? And that in and of itself will take care of what the world thinks of us. Like, I don't care anymore what the world thinks of us because, because I know what we think of ourselves. In the beginning, I was really like, you know, like I was doubling down on, you know, I want to change, I want to change. And, and now I just feel like I got to a point where just like any other podcast, uh, we're just having conversation. And, uh, and maybe that alone would change the narrative. Um, you know, I was just going to ask you, you know, like how cool is it that Saudi has a vision? Um, what is Muhammad Islam's vision for uh, the Mo Show? <laughs> to, to, to keep it going, really. Uh, to, uh, to just make, keep making interesting content, to discover people who are talented, who come with a unique story, um, to basically, yeah, build the, build the podcast, build the platform, 
to give a voice in English uh, by Saudis or by Arabs who are more comfortable speaking in English, who think in English like I do. It's, it's, it, that's okay if your Arabic isn't as good as your English because you studied abroad. That's okay. You can come on my show and share your story with me. We translate it in Arabic and people will understand you. And, uh, and just to continue breaking barriers of misconceptions and false narratives that uh, we are sick and tired of, of hearing from, you know, from, from the rest of the world. I remember when I was in the U.S., the amount of times I'd get somebody who'd be like, wait, are you really from Saudi Arabia? You know? and, and I'd, I'd be like, yeah, I am. And, and then it just occurred to me, like, how about if I do start this podcast, I can amplify that reaction that I remember getting all through my growing up years through independent media channels like podcasting. And I think that's exactly what we're doing at uh, the motion. So, so is that the type of audience you're trying to target? It's like more of an international... Initially, uh, yes. International yeah. community? Initially, it was the West. It was the West. They were, the, they were the, the, the segment or the demographic in my mind who I wanted to speak to. Um, and then by surprise, I, uh, I picked up on, on how interested my neighboring countries, Iraq, Lebanon, and Egypt specifically, constituted to the followers that, and listeners that we have, which made sense. I mean, no one's going to be more interested in you than your neighbor. They're going to know exactly what you're up to. And our neighbors never knew, never knew anything about us. I remember, yeah, I remember like the third episode, Raham Harrak, um, who climbed Everest. Some of the comments just like an hour after we published, they're like, oh my God, because my first two uh, episodes were with males. Raha was the first female. So the comments were crazy <laughs> in, that, in that, wait, how are you in a room with another female and you're both Saudis? I mean, are you guys going to get shot? Like, that's, 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 <laughs> that's what people were, 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 had to like talk about changing what people thought about Saudi right then and there. Oh, so it's okay. Because we were told that it's not. That was the first win I felt for, uh, for the show. I, ch I just changed that person's perspective of what the real Saudi Arabia is. You know, that guy got Fox and CNN stuffed down his throat so many times that, that that's what he thought Saudi was. You cannot be in the same room with another female if you aren't married. Not yeah. true. What do you think you have done that has caused um, successes for you in uh, marketing your podcast? And what are the things you've done with your podcast that have um, in your analysis, looking back, like, oh, these things were uh, beneficial for me. So, yeah, there's a lot of pod, there's a lot about podcasting I knew nothing about. Like, what on earth is an RSS feed? Um, the whole analytics of YouTube, my God, that's a language on its own. Mm -hmm. Instagram, Instagram is, a, is, is, is insane. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think, I think on, you know, on, I check my, when I check like uh, how much, data is being consumed from my phone. I think Instagram is like the heaviest. Like there's so much on there and the analytics it provides to YouTube on its own. Uh, so there was a lot I needed to learn about that. And yes, because of my interest in marketing, it just came to me. Like I knew, I knew after the first episode, I'm like, this is for me, whether they like my content or not, I'm enjoying this creation. And you might laugh at me or not, but I'm so hands-on that until today, I do everything that goes above the line. Everything. Social media posts, it's me. Um, updating the website, it's me. So it's, it probably taxes a little too much of me bettering myself as a podcaster, mm. me studying my upcoming guest. Like I have um, a dear friend, Lina Malaika. She's coming on as episode 55. There's, you know, we, we spoke yesterday for an hour. There's a lot of stuff that I need to research in my preparation for that episode. But here I am working on uh, the Instagram feed or like, so I know, I guess my love for marketing doesn't allow me to uh, give that to someone else to handle. Hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, choosing the logo, the color, um, I wanted something popping, so yellow and black. I thought was like super, super we eye do popping. Have the exact same same you do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man! I saw that. I saw <laughs> great, great minds think alike. How wild! Huh? Um, so yeah, you know what? If I didn't have, if I like came from like an engineering uh, background or from medicine or something, I probably wouldn't have been so hands on. 
but um, God, I think my, my wife mentioned, she's like, you know, I think you're, 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 you're too obsessed with the Instagram grid and the way it looks like more than you should be with the content. And she makes a great point. Mm. Work on the content, you know, be beyond prepared for your guests and just have someone else handle that. So I feel like I'm on a crossroads now where it's time to employ someone to handle all that. But you guys know how it is. I mean, nobody can do a job as good as you can do it the way you want to do it in the timely fashion that you will do it in. But it's time that I segregate and, uh, and just yeah, offload it to someone else and take my right. marketing cap off for a second. Um, what did um, the great Hamza say on your podcast? He was like, you need a team pretty much, yeah. right? You're a great podcaster. And uh, the social media stuff, you know, we've been doing it for a long time too. And we're really lucky that we have, you know, us, we're all, you know, friends and we're, we all, we're all young and have a lot of energy. That's how we've been able to pop out 395. But for me, it looks like, um, I mean, let me ask you, what's your favorite part of the process? Is it the podcast itself? Is it the social media? Is it the marketing? No, no. Once, once the cameras start rolling and we're live, like there's a high, there's a high there. I used to do some DJing. Nothing crazy, but just to be in control of the crowd and have them vibe to the song that you're playing and seeing the reception of that and then like enjoying what you have just controlled using your fingertips. It kind of used the same part of my brain as, as the days of DJing did. Um, I think the thrill of performance, like when the lights are on and three cameras are rolling and I'm into it, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, and we're live. I think I'm addicted to creativity and content creation today. When I'm choosing a trailer and my editor sends me the link and I'm about to drop it, there's a high there. Um, I used to be into cars and restoring cars like all my life. Like I love cars. I don't do that anymore. Like the, all, like I, I stopped doing that. Like I haven't changed my car in a year and a half and ask any of my friends, that's something. Um, and just because my time is undivided to the podcast, um, you know, much to the dismay of my wife, <laughs> but it's, oh, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I, 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 you know, with my wife and son, they're, they're really, they really are number one in my life. But when I have any extra time, uh, it's, it's all about the podcast, you know, just this growing the damn thing and, and, uh, and I, and I love hearing from people saying, wow, we didn't know Saudi was like that. That, that, that gives me a high. That's my drug, honestly. And what's, and what's like the most interesting lesson that you've learned from your guests on, the, on your podcast? And at the same time, what do you think is the most important lesson that you've taught to your guests for, on your podcast? I think what I've learned from my guests is that it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. I've had people come on and you know, share some of uh, you know their really like not darkest secrets but like stuff that they never thought they'd share be it on air or 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 to me and um it was never my plan to take the route of this deep side of life like talking about my anxieties that i've that i faced or my first panic attack or all that never in a million years could someone tell me that i would have a page on a channel on YouTube with 54 episodes out with me, like opening up about something personal. Like if you told me that three, four years ago, I would have laughed at you, you know? Um, but it's funny how, you know, never say never. Um, I, uh, it, it gave me an opportunity to feel that it's okay to, to be yourself. You know, we're always worried. What would people think? And what I really saw in, like, when I was at Formula One a few weeks ago, I was so touched the amount of people that come up to me like, Mo, thank you. We love you. Can we take a picture with you? Who am I for you to, to want to take a picture with me? <laughs> I'm not, all I did was just a few, I mean, a few episodes, like, the way they look at me, like, thank you. You have made it okay for us to want to seek therapy or get help on something, you know, that was once taboo. And um, what it taught me as well, like just to answer your question, one of the biggest things that it taught me was that I just don't care about what people think about me anymore. I, I, it was something that, that always used to bother me. What would they say about me? Oh my God, what if they think 
I'm, I'm not good or I'm not funny or I'm not or this or that or I look this or I'm overweight. What if? I don't know if you can swear on this, but I don't give a shit. No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh. I, was, I was about to make, uh... okay. Right. Ali, Ali. If, yes. if, if I was to not put out another episode and I, and I halted at 53, I would walk away happy because I don't care about what people think about me anymore. And it's something I had to live with for 38 years. But now I don't care anymore. I'm, I used to be the most yeah. sensitive bastard in the room. Like super, super sensitive. Maybe I am a little bit, but not as bad as I, as I was. Like, not like your words won't hurt me anymore. So that is the biggest takeaway for me, if you ask me. Being vulnerable, opening up, seeing people be like, wow, you know, we really appreciate you saying what you did. Like, why the hell was I scared of, of putting myself out there? And, and here I am, and I did, and what it did in return for me was made me feel that I don't care what people think about me anymore. Clearly, the way I am perceived is accepted. So a handful of people who have come up to me over time love me and accepted me. I don't care about the tens of thousands that speak behind my back. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Those five I, uh, people, that's, that's all I need. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt uh, your answering the second part of the question, but I just want to say, like, I feel that is like the true confidence in, in a person, you know, when you're, when you're at that point where you just don't give a fuck about what, what the general uh, people, general opinion is of you, you're just able to love yourself as, as is, you know, cause you have a strong base, a strong, your roots are strong in this like confidence level, because when you, when you gain your confidence from the people that surround you, I feel like that's a bit, that's like false confidence. It's just like superficial. It's only on, on the surface. But when you, when the confidence just comes from you by yourself, like you don't, you don't need, you have this like independent approach to your emotions, to your relationships, where you don't mind if like someone leaves your life or you don't receive this certain amount of emotion, you can deal with things mainly by yourself. I feel like that's like, the initial start to having true confidence and this plays into podcast into the role of being a podcaster because you're able to talk to people and be comfortable with it and this comfort that you have that you feel it allows it seeps into the mind of the, your guests and then it makes them feel comfortable to talk and i feel like that's the role of a podcaster that's that's what the, we do yeah yeah i think it was naval who said um being able to enjoy time alone is a superpower. Is a superpower. Yes. And um, and wow, it's. I think because I spend a lot of time on my own by nature of my new work, that I see less people, and I love spending time alone. I do. I'm I'm not at the point where I can go out and have a meal alone. That's like superpower 2.0. <laughs> it's like next levels. But, but, uh, but you're right. I mean, just having the ability to, to be exposed to people from all walks of life, having a platform to hang your hat on end of the day, it actually makes people look at you in a completely different way. Like in the year and a half that I've been doing this, I go from people not knowing what the hell my day job is or what the hell I do. People, I've been in Saudi for a decade now, some people were like, oh, how's Dubai? Well, you know what? I, I, I left Dubai 10 years ago uh, <laughs> to a point where now people know what the hell it is I do. Like, it's almost like yeah. a surface. And you know what? If, whatever, and that tells me that if, if you're able, if you're lucky enough to find out what your passion is in life, you are the biggest idiot if you don't go for it. Because when you go for it, Believe me, when you find out what your passion is, and I can appreciate that not all of us are fortunate enough to distinguish what our passion is. But if God shows you what it is, go for it because you will perform so well at that, that is your passion, way better than trying as hard as you can on something that isn't your passion. And before you know it, it won't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work to me. I can record an episode every day, Rogan style. I can do that. It doesn't Let's feel like go. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the future. I mean, uh, just to comment on something you said, you know, the great Jim Carrey says that 
you know, his dad worked in engineering and something and failed in engineering. And so he was like, you can fail at something you don't like. So why not take a chance on something that you do like, you know? Yeah, way yeah, yeah. Or fail. Yeah. He also said something that, you know, don't like, like, like share your, share your craziness or your amazing with the world, like risk being seen in all your glory. That's something I never wanted to do. Like, what would they think of me? Oh my God, that's been neutralized. That right. has been, what would they think of me has been neutralized. So fuck it, let's go for it. You know, let me, let me be myself. End of the day, you know, um, yeah, if you're, if you're not being yourself and you're trying to be someone else, that, that person's taken. So just be yourself. Uh, and, um, and that's really when you, you will be most comfortable. And when you're most comfortable, I think that's when you're also most beautiful. When you're just being yourself uncensored. Nothing's more exhausting than, than trying to be someone else. And there were times in my life when I was trying to be someone else. And it was really, really exhausting. It's effortless to be yourself. Um, and uh, I'm having fun. Yeah. <laughs> as you guys know. Happy, as yeah. you guys know. I love it, man. What am I going to say? I mean, you woke up yeah. today, Ali. You woke up today thinking, I don't know what this guy is like, but hey, I'm shooting, a, I'm shooting an episode today and I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, at um, five thirty in the morning, I got up, and, and now I've really like. <laughs> wow. I, I will say I, I really had a new. I know you do yours really late too, so um, I need to. I'll just say something I've learned recently that really changed everything in the way I see things. It's like uh, I learned that um, who was it? Like Sam Harris said that anxiety physiologically is the same thing as excitement. So it's just the 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 way you see it. It's the framework. It's in the context. It's in. And so obviously, you know, before I used to get more anxious meeting people because it's like, you know, I used to, <laughs> I know it's, you know, more high stakes and I used that what it used to be like for me, but now I'm just excited, you know, and I'm just riding in the wave and yeah. I'm loving it and, you know, I'm being really confident and happy with it. And, you know, it's, uh, it's truly, it's truly satisfying to be excited all the time, working on something that like, it's like a propeller. I'm just being driven forward and, uh, nothing's yeah. gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna stop you or Saijima. Yeah. <laughs> How cool is it? Um, if you don't, if you don't mind, I know we're kind of running out of time here, and I do wanna. I mean, this has been really, really deep. I mean, from beginning to end, it's been really deep. And so uh, I do wanna throw you a little curveball. Uh... <laughs> I'm ready. So, so Saij's laugh is worrying me. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you know, Mosho, you're you're not the only Mosho. There's another Mosho. So there's this Mosho guy. I don't know if you see this. He's um yeah, he's... He, he loves cats pretty much. Mosho always feels like an outcast. <laughs> so okay. He's a cat rapper, pretty much. And so yeah, he's like if you Google Mosho, he's not he just loves cats. That's his thing. Okay. So cool. he has he has hey, a big he has a big market. He has a bigger market because right. everyone loves cats. Yeah. Um would you have him on your show, pretty much? <laughs> To settle the beef, I'd love to see Mosho meet Mosho. <laughs> where is he? Where, where, where is he at? Uh, he's probably somewhere in the United States. But yeah, if he ever passes, with, with 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 me, I mean, if he comes through Saudi, tell him he can get a visa online in three minutes. <laughs> I'm come to Saudi, and uh, it'll be my. I'll do that for you, Ali. Absolutely, he can bring the cats as well. We have, a street, we, we, have a, we, ha, we we have a street cat problem in Saudi, so maybe he'll leave. You know, back to the states with a few with him. <laughs> How? Amazing. Legendary. Well, I mean, um, side, if there's anything else you want to ask, we're kind of wrapping out of time. I'm, uh, I'm good, man. I, God, I, I, I mean, I guess that was the idea, you know, to talk. And I feel like I said everything that I, that I got to do. And I, and I hope that, you know, I uh, shed some light on Saudi, on things that maybe you didn't know of. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really appreciate, honestly, you guys reaching out to me and, and saying what you said in the beginning made my day. Um, and, um, and like what I said, just before we started recording, it's all about getting a little bit better every day. You know, Rome wasn't built, uh, overnight and, uh, my first couple episodes were terrible. I'd like to think they're getting a little bit better. Uh, mashallah, 361, you said episodes, you guys did? 391, please. I'm so sorry. Yeah. 391. I hope you have, and I trust you have someone big for your 400th, but, but, you know, I bet you see changes and improvements in you just by 
repetition, the 10,000 hour rule or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I wish it for you. I wish it for me and the next guy. Um, I'm all for, I get really excited when I see English content coming out of Saudi or the Arab world. And, um, and Hey, if English is your language and you want to start something, what does it cost for an RSS feed per month? I think it's 10 bucks. It's never been cheaper to, to put that content out there. So thanks for reaching out and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. yeah and, um, I mean, I love to say, you know, on competition and stuff, I just think that there's room for everyone, right? It's not like you being there doesn't mean that there can't be someone else doing it. There's room for everyone or you can do your yeah. own thing. And I really do hope more people follow, you know, and make their own things that, um, like more pop, more podcasts, more art, more creativity, more entertainment because uh, it's COVID and I'm locked up at home and <laughs> I, I need I need to be entertained pretty much. Ali, I think <laughs> I think we've both learned from uh, Mr. Beast by now that there's there there is no competition. It's just like we're all partners in this. You know, we all learn from our each other's mistakes and we can. That's how we progress because yeah. if we're making <clears throat> if we're making certain mistakes that Mo isn't making, he can learn from us. And if he's making mistakes that we aren't making, we can learn from him so that, you know, we don't make the same errors and we, we succeed together. That's like, that's how, that's how the, the podcast community works. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, that's it's also including for content creation. That's how, that's how we're learning. Yeah. I just want to touch on mistakes and failures because failure is, uh, is a word that I got to know a lot in my life. And uh, I recently I think it was Tim Ferriss, if I'm not mistaken. I also want to tell you something about Tim Ferriss before we wrap up, but I'm not sure who it was. Someone recently said that today in Silicon Valley, if you come to them with an, with an idea for an app and you share with them your resume and you haven't failed in anything before this, they will tell you to bounce. If you come to them with a CV that says, I failed doing this, this and that, and this is my fourth, they're like, all right, come sit down. Let's talk. Let's put you in touch with these VCs. Let's go from there. It's, it's, you see what's happening. They are rewarding failure because only through failure do you learn, pivot, reestablish yourself, come back stronger. And to me, for a word that's been taboo all my life, I was like, wow, failure really is the way. I'm reading a book now called The Obstacles is the Way. And it's just changing the way my brain is wired. Um, you know, people shy away from challenges and the difficulty of life. No. The way to success is the difficult way, is the challenges. So it's called obstacles by the uh, The ob- obstacle is the way. I forgot who it's by. Last thing I want to say <laughs> to you guys, that um, Tim Ferriss was recently asked how far into the podcasting industry or world are we? Like, is the market saturated or could it take on more? His answer, I thought he'd say that, you know what, we are approaching saturation right about now. There's about 2.5 million podcasts out there. I thought he'd say we're, we're approaching, approaching saturation. And his response to that was, this is Tim Ferriss, right? My eyes, best podcaster in the world. He was like, we are very, very early in this game. We are very, very early in this game. Uh, because there is now an, uh, there's now an awareness for that if you have content and uh want to voice that it's never been easier to put it out there uh and he sees a shift from the way people get their information and news from mass media to independent or decentralized media as the years go by so that was pretty refreshing to see that he thought we are still very very young in this whole podcasting era yeah you can also witness it in the subscribers to for example, independent news channels and like this centralized organizations that are providing this news that we watch on television. Their their follow like the the amount of people that watch TV are decreasing in general. So indirectly, that's also affecting the viewership of new of the people who actually watch news on TV. Yeah. Plus, their subscribers online because like obviously they try to adapt to to people our age by having websites and like having online newsletters and all that but even then that's not the amount of people that are following them are decreasing and Correct. and this is like this is the relating to the shift that you're talking about in, in saudi people watch television one month out of the year Ramadan, Ramadan. Ramadan. <laughs> yep 
M NBC, where all the, you know, the, the great shows that they work on for the other 11 months out of the year, and then boom, and blah, blah, blah. That's <laughs> one. Other than that, I, I actually don't have a cable box. I have an Apple TV box, and that's it. So a yeah, lot of cord I, cutting happening over here as well. I, I don't remember the last time I've watched TV. It's yeah. been a few years. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. Like not months. Clear, clear shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a clear shift. Thank God. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, it used to be more controlled, but now we're the ones controlling it. And, yeah. Um, but that's pretty crazy, huh? Like yeah. since the beginning of time or since the beginning of media, it was always controlled by a few people. It's pretty cool now that it can be controlled by the people. Everything is you know, becoming kind of, de kind of like, decentralized. Yeah, decentralized. Yeah, like that whole crypto world, exactly. which I'm glad exactly. we didn't get into because that would have taken another hour. <laughs> <laughs> decentralized appears to be the way. Yeah. Right. What I see. I think yeah. even politics is going. It's going to be like that as well. Like yeah. that's yeah. that's what it's that's what it's turning to look like. People are favoring decentralization even within like the political sphere. It's a crazy paradigm shift, like crazy. It's a major, yeah. major move. Yeah, and then and then and then it'll it'll stay it'll stay that way probably for as long as mass media was the way, like for the next you know 100, 150 years till it's what's after blockchain or what's after decentralized cryptocurrency or what's after like yeah, but it's here to stay for for sure. That's that's what I believe. Uh, this is how people feel more, more, most comfortable getting their news. I just love hearing Joe Rogan and him talking about whatever he wants to talk about uncensored. If he, you know, if he wants to have light up a cigar in the middle of the show, <laughs> if he wants to have a drink, in the middle, you, know, you can do that. It's real. People want real. You can't do that. You know, in a new studio, you're there at 5 a.m., You've been in makeup for an hour. You're reading off a teleprompter. You are be worse than an actor. Um, and that's how we used to consume our news, reading it off a piece of paper. <laughs> the, the, building, the building is pushing that narrative. And we're supposed to sit there and be like, oh, yeah, really? Okay. I'm glad that there is a realization that that was just not working. End the story. End the story. And on to, uh, you know, new story of podcasts and um Hamad, i know we could go on for more but i have to go to work you know so, <laughs> so um if you, you want a part two if you want a part week. two yeah if you want a part two leave a comment below you know and uh you know um and that um for more in the future Muhammad islam how legendary is it to have you on our show you know and, thank you uh, man you guys you guys uh you guys are legendary for uh <laughs> Oh! I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I like yeah, what yeah, you guys. Uh, I, I managed to catch a bunch of episodes uh, on, on on your Instagram. It's pretty cool that you know you guys don't have to be in the same place or have a studio. Like it's simple. You have your headphones that I'm glad to see are working. Mics. You're in. <laughs> 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 and here we are having. Uh, you know, it doesn't cost much to do what you guys did and you guys do it so well. So thanks for reaching out to me and I'd love to do another part, uh, you know, a few years down the line. Let's do it. Let's do it. 100%. All right. Well then. 100%. Um, Thank you. This has been a squared the show, the most international variety podcast. Muhammad Islam on the podcast. Mo show. Check it out. Link in bio. How cool. And this is how we sign out. Thank you very much. Ramadan Mubarak. Amazing. And thanks. Thanks. Adios. Woo. Adios. Bye.